Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. When ag tech company Benson Hill committed to building a $52 million headquarters in St. Louis, it was the fall of 2019. The coronavirus wasn't on anyone's radar. Well, times obviously have changed. What hasn't is that the company remains committed to having people work together. So what does that look like at a time when we're all rightly terrified of each other's germs? Benson Hill CEO Matt Crisp is back with us, and we're going to talk to him about that today and get some insight from some other companies as well. Matt, So many other companies are still remote at this point. What made you want to go ahead with this new office and and get it opened up right now? Well, we we had clearly begun that process well before the COVID uh, the COVID pandemic. But um, we we uh, installed a series of measures uh, back in the spring to go strictly to a critical workforce only. And um, and we set up a, a, a crisis management committee that allowed us to put in place uh, a lot of the analysis that was needed to inform our safety measures and how we could or would ultimately begin to roll folks back into the workplace. And after the building was completed, slightly delayed, um, we we made a series of decisions to take a, a cautious staged approach to reintroducing uh, folks to the workspace, more or less, I should say, allowing them voluntarily to establish uh, reestablish themselves in the workplace. And so uh, that that has been done, um, but we're still operating at really conservative levels of capacity. We're also joined today by a second guest. Uh, Megan Ridgway is a principal at Arcturus. That's the St. Louis-based architecture firm. And she worked with Benson Hill on this new uh, building, which is 160,000 square feet. So Megan Ridgway, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sarah. Pleasure to be here. So as Matt described there, these plans were already well underway. Construction was already underway when the coronavirus struck. How big a challenge was it to get this building ready under these drastically changed new conditions? Sure. I I might underscore underway, because by underway, really, it was almost complete. Um, Mm -hmm. We were about 30 days away from Benson Hill occupying their new building when the pandemic struck and, you know, here we were mid-March, kind of a little bit upside down on what tomorrow would bring. Um, So underway, I think uh, it it was well (laughs) underway. That sounds like Um, possibly the worst timing, (laughs) like you're not yet into the building working through the kinks, but you're so close, you might as well be. I mean, Matt, that had to have been so frustrating, that timing there. <laughs> it was frustrating, but the team, you know, we're 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 a startup. We like to say we maintain the nimbleness, uh, you know, to to act quickly. We respected the issue. We found solutions. That the everyone involved and Megan's team especially was was really agile, you know, through what was a trying time. So, Megan, what were some of the the challenges you took on in terms of trying to retrofit this this building? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there were a number of pivot points that we uh, definitely had to, to put in place as we looked to try to enable Benson Hill to occupy the space. Um, but, you know, what I might offer even before getting into some of those is there were a number of things about the design that Matt and his team from the onset of working together had established that were really, really critical to who Benson Hill is and their culture mm-hmm. that were built into the design from day one. And and those things really revolved around flexibility of the work environment 
and uh, promoting wellness within the workplace. And so by flexibility, um, it you know, what I would coin as workplace of choice, there was a lot of different types of work settings that were deliberately planned uh, into their headquarters. So whether you needed to have a closed door, focus work time, um, you know, so you could go to a, a private huddle room. If you needed to have a, a more open collaborative space, we had that. If you just needed your one-on-one uh, you know, one workstation, there was that. And so just in, uh, in broad brushstrokes, the flexibility that was planned as a reflection of Benson Hill's work style and culture kind of laid the groundwork for the pivot with the pandemic to be um, an, a smoother road than would have been had we not already planned for that. Hmm. And then from a wellness standpoint, um, again, it, it's a you know a pillar of um, Benson Hill's identity, and so we had built into the original design multiple wellness rooms, places for meditation, um, access to outdoor patios on the upper levels of the building, um, all all opportunities to um, kind of. Uh, release anxiety throughout the workday or, you know, just, you know, sort of practice mind, mindfulness so that you, um, you know, the employees can do their, their best work. Um, and all of those things really uh, have, have proved so beneficial now hmm. dealing with COVID as we are. So these are kind of these classic, uh, the, the startup type office that we're all so jealous of people who work at startups. Matt, do you have people just chomping at the bit trying to get on that list so that they can come back and work out of this office? Well, we've really made it uh, everyone's individual decision. Mm -hmm. So in as many cases as we can, I mean, there's obviously some critical staff that um, we're very grateful for who've been coming in now for months uh, and never really had a reprieve, frankly, uh, outside of the office. Um, but for the remainder of folks that we've tried to create some optionality, we, we want the, it we want it to be comfortable for them. And so this environment that that Megan is describing is a physical reflection and part of, of who, who who and how we identify ourselves as. And so um, when when people feel comfortable coming back, we're allowing them to. But different, as you would imagine, um, that's a personal decision and, and different folks are going to feel differently about that and, and what's right for them and their families. That makes sense. And and are there certain measures you had to take to make people feel safe coming back? Like, yeah, we're going to we're going to check temperatures or we're going to require masks, things like that. Well, we do. We do temperature checks. Uh, we all wear masks outside of uh, meeting spaces. We social distance Megan and her team. She can talk to some of the reconfigurations that she alluded to and, and the more flexible workspaces that allow uh, for more you know, for more spacing in between people. Uh, and then we also invested in some um, pretty interesting air filtration approaches. Uh, but Megan can comment on some of these in, in better detail than I can. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, as Matt was was mentioning, there were a number of things that we did have to put into place once we were faced with COVID. Um, you know, starting at sort of the front door of the building, the access to the building are touchless doors where you can wave your hand and get through the vestibule and into the lobby. Uh, once you're in the lobby, 
there is essentially a, a tablet that you can stand in front of. Again, it does a touchless screen of your temperature and gives you a green light to move on through the building if you um, are fever fever free. Mm-hmm. Those are both things that weren't planned originally. Um, there is uh, extensive signage throughout the entire building encouraging one-way circulation through the building on main um, main corridors and main stairwells so that the overall um, flow of people is controlled, mm-hmm. therefore trying to minimize um, exposure to one another in close, close quarters. Um, in terms of the furniture that was purchased, um, we were able to uh, re-space out furniture to make sure that we really had um, compliance with the CDC guidelines. Um, you know, those are ever-changing, but one thing that's been rather consistent is the recommended six-foot-plus distancing. So with the flexible furniture, we were able to modify that layout to accommodate that. Um, the added air infiltration or air purification, I should say, excuse me, that Matt mentioned um, was also a late add. Uh, Benson Hill decided to go ahead and and um, pay for the installation of what's called a plasma ionization system, which is a fancy way of just saying a, a souped up air purification system um, for the whole building. But it really helps remove um, germs and particulates from the air, uh, and it's sort of a belt and suspenders approach to what would be your typical mechanical system hmm. in any building. Um, so there was quite a commitment um, from from Matt and his group on trying to make the workplace as hygienic and healthful as it possibly could um, so that, you know, their folks can focus on what they need to do, which is nourishing the world. Matt, was there a, a pretty significant price tag to, to some of these things you chose to add? Uh, well, I won't, I won't get into the details. But, uh, there's some of these that are certainly not inexpensive. Uh, but look, I mean, for us to be out of the office, for us to not be maximally productive um, and, and as safe as we possibly can be, it's, it's well, well, well worth the investment in our people. Well, Matt Crisp, on that note, um, I want to thank you so much for joining us today to, to share about what Benson Hill is up to and, and also congratulations on your new home, so to speak. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Really appreciate the time today. And we're also talking still to Megan Ridgway, who's going to stick with us. Uh, she's a principal at Arcturus, the St. Louis-based architecture firm. And we're also joined today by Bob Harrison. He's the chairman and president of the Daniel and Henry Company. That's an insurance broker and risk management company in St. Louis. They have about 100 70 employees. And it turns out most of them are working at the office. We wanted to talk to Bob about that. And so he's here to do just that. So Bob Harrison, welcome to the show. Sarah, thank you. Happy to be here. So Bob, I understand you're accommodating people who want to work at home, but you still have a lot of people at the office. Why was it important to have that option for people? Well, I I really applaud our team who um, have done such a great job. We've, We've really, I would say, behaved like a normal company in these extremely abnormal times. but And that's a rarity uh, these days. Yeah. I mean, and we've leaned on technology to do that, right? And we've invested in that idea to be able to work from home and work remotely. And we're empathetic to, to all of our team members who don't have great child care solutions or great elder care ch- solutions. And we're cer- so we're certainly, you know, working, working around those challenges that everybody has to face. Um, 
but as time has gone on, we really kind of, the euphoria of what appeared to be efficiency is kind of waning a bit. Mm. And um, we really realize that we are a, a company whose culture is best uh, fostered by working from the office. And so um, we did a lot of the things that Megan and Matt have talked about, uh, about uh, trying to make our workplace safe. Um, but encourage folks to come back in and, and almost so bold as to say, I feel like we're a little bit safer here than we and then than folks are from home. Wow. Uh, sometimes with, you know, kind of the, the way in which their environment, they're, they're operating in their, their own little friend bubbles or neighborhood bubbles or family yeah. bubbles. And, you know, here we're kind of all very business-like, masked up and, and respectful of, uh, you know, all the things that are important to keep people safe in the workplace. Megan, Bob had such a great phrase there. He talked about the euphoria waning of, of working at home and, and the, some of the efficiencies that initially came with that. Do you see many clients who are now trying to find a way to, to bring people back? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think if you would have um, asked most people in April of this year, you know, do they what do they want to do about getting back to work? Everyone was very focused on how do we get back to work? Can we get back to work? And I think what's happened over the past many months as this pandemic has raged on longer than any of us had expected or certainly hoped is the mind shift has has changed to why do we want to get back to work? And not in a challenge of not wanting to return, but in a, a really introspective way of what is so meaningful about being together? Um, and I think that companies have that that I've been interacting with have been able to really distill down the answers to the why and underscore the value of being in a workplace together. Mm-hmm. And so we have a number of companies, um, you know, in the region that we are systematically going through the why with them, um, highlighting uh, the their their highest priorities of being together and then strategically working with these um, individual companies to identify the right plan of back to work and a safe work environment for them. Um, and while there are a lot of commonalities about how we need to practice um, healthfulness when we're together, there are definitely some unique uniquenesses too, um, depending on how a company answers the why. We have a a caller who had a great question. Unfortunately, we're a little pressed for time here, so I'm just going to paraphrase his question, which is, um, what kind of starting point are we looking at on a budget for people who want to do this? I'm sure it matters greatly how many employees and how many square feet we're talking about, but is there any rule of thumb for this kind of like safety plan reopening? You know, that that's a great question. I mean, if you were going to um, engage a, a firm like ours, let's say just for some space consulting, um, I, I think you can do that at a, at a pretty competitive price point, um, you know, where you can just look at some hourly consulting to, to have some ideas and guidance on how you could um, enter the workplace. But in, in terms of true capital expense, I very much am a believer that, you know, with some creative thinking, it actually doesn't have to equate um, much at all beyond perhaps the purchase of some PPE for your, um, for your employees. <laughs> but I think you can just be creative about how you use space. 
Bob, I, we are rather short on time here, but I have one last question for you. And that is, um, you know, a lot of people were super nervous about coming back to the office. And, and now you guys have shown that this can work really well, but that buy-in on the front end can be so difficult. What did it take to achieve that or any advice for other companies on, on how you were able to do that? Um, I, I, think we, I think we were very clear uh, that we wanted people to stay safe and remain safe, and we didn't want to jeopardize anybody in any form or fashion, especially those with uh, health issues or comorbidity or, or challenges at home. Uh, but, but I think to a person, most, most feel that um, the opportunity for collaboration and informal communication and spontaneous conversation occurs really at the office. Mm-hmm. And we've all done it through conference and Zoom and every other kind of technology. Um, but nothing replaces that, uh, that ability to kind of face-to-face encourage each other, help each other solve problems, and be there for each other and for the client in the long run. And I know this is a pandemic that will be with us for a moment, but uh, going forward, you know, I think that just it needs to be reinforced. And and our folks uh, really do embrace that. They know that this is, a, you know, a blip in the history of a of a, of a firm, and we'll, we will get past this as well. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, and I'm glad that that experience has been so good for people at your company. So, uh, Bob Harrison, uh, Chairman and President of the Daniel & Henry Company, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. And Megan Ridgway of Arcturus, thank you so much for sharing your insight. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org or subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWNU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.